Take your Bible, if you would, with me, and at this time of, of the service, we'll ask that you take your Bible and turn to the book of Hosea. If you're a guest with us this morning, there should be a Bible there in front of you, and I also want to encourage you that you come back to meet our pastor and his wife, and they would like to meet you, and I would um, want you, you to meet them, and that would be a great thing. If you would take your Bible and turn to Hosea chapter 3, and uh, some of you um, are saying, what in the world are we doing in Hosea? And oh my, here we go, right? But this is a matter that um, I actually talked to Pastor a little bit before uh, he left, and, and I said, is there any special requests that you might have? He said, preach strong, preach straight, but do not preach long. <laughs> and uh, so, by the way, a definition of a good sermon is a good beginning and a good ending, and it, those two as close as they can together. So we'll see what, what comes of this today. We'll do our best. With that, but uh, he also uh, would like me to carry on this sermon series about Jesus is better. And so that's why we find ourselves in this passage, in this text, and I've prayed probably over this passage, this text, more than I've prayed over any text or any passage because I want to make sure that things are proper, things are right, and that we rightly divide the Word of God. And so I've, I've uh, asked that you pray for me, and I have prayed for you that God will give us something from His Word as He promises to do. And so Hosea chapter 3. And we'll look at these uh, five verses here. Hosea chapter 3, verse 1 through 5 says this, then, then said the Lord unto me, Go yet love a woman, beloved of her friend, yet an adulteress. According to the love of the Lord, toward the children of Israel, who look to other gods and love flagons of wine. So I bought her to me for 15 pieces of silver and for an omer of barley and a half a omer of barley. And I said unto her, Thou shalt abide for me many days, Thou shalt not play the harlot, and thou shalt not be for another man, so will I also be for thee. For the children of Israel shall abide many days without a king, without a prince, without a sacrifice, and without an image, and without an ephod, and without a teraphim. Afterward shall the children of Israel return and seek the Lord their God, and David their king, and shall fear the Lord and his goodness in the latter days. Would you pray with me quietly as I pray out loud? Lord, I thank you for the Word of God. And Lord, no matter where we turn into the Word of God, there's something for us. And so Lord, I pray that it is a matter that I am dead to myself and alive unto God. This morning, I pray that you'll use me. I thank you for this opportunity. I thank you for our pastor and, and his leadership. I thank you for this vision for our year, this year. Jesus is better. I thank you for this passage of Scripture. You've already used it in my life. I pray that you use it again. May I be convicted today. Lord, I pray that you'll use it in the lives of these dear folks here today. And Lord, thank you for each one of them. Thank you for any guest, and thank you for the, the ones that are faithful and regularly attending and ones that have been members for years. But Lord, we come to hear from you today. Lord, I pray that we would. And I pray that we not miss what you have for us. Lord, I pray that right now the devil would bind any distraction would take away anything in our mind that would not steer us to what you have for us. Lord, I thank you. We'll praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. You may be seated. I've entitled this this morning, Unthinkable. More than likely, this is not your favorite book of the Bible. Hosea is probably what you would say and what I would say as I looked at this passage of Scripture and I looked throughout the, the book here and studied and, and looked into what God would have for us today, I thought, wow, this is not the most thinkable book found in the Bible. And most of us would not say, hey, my favorite book of the Bible is Hosea. But it is in the Bible. It is there for us. And not every day do we maybe necessarily turn to the book of Hosea and read Hosea. But you know what? Hosea is considered a minor prophet, but it's not because it's a minor book. He's a minor prophet, but there's nothing minor about this book, Hosea itself. By the way, can I remind you this morning, as I need to remind myself, all the Word of God is good. Amen. In Acts 20, 27, it says the whole counsel of God is to be declared. 2 Timothy 3, 16, all Scripture is given by inspiration of God, and I love this, it's profitable. I like things that are profitable. Psalm 119, 128, 131, would you listen closely to this if you would? Therefore I esteem, in other words, I put it up high, all thy precepts concerning all things to be right. 
I hate every false way. Thy testimonies are wonderful. Therefore doth my soul keep them. The entrance of thy words giveth light. It giveth understanding unto the simple. Notice, I opened my mouth and panted, for I longed for thy commandments. Well, I hope this morning I, I had to ask myself, do I look at the Word of God as wonderful? Do I esteem it in my life? Do I just think it's to be a part of my life, or is it to be my life? I wonder how badly do I want to understand things. Well, the Word of God says that the entrance of God's Word gives me light. We would see the importance of that if this was a dark room. But I'm glad that it's not. I'm glad for all the lights. And we have a lot of lights here. And every Sunday morning, I look at every one of these bulbs. <laughs> Make sure they're, they're not out. And if they're out, I don't want to hear about it. <laughs> but I opened my mouth and panted and longed so much for it. It's almost as, as if there's just such a desire and there's such a, a need for the Word of God. A.W. Tozer said this, nothing less than the whole Bible can make a whole Christian. This morning I have a confession to make, and I'm, I'm looking back there, and I'm seeing, yes, Ms. Muller is back there, so I need you to close your ears, if you would, for a minute, Ms. Muller, and, and uh, those of you that are health, wonderful people, I need you to uh, close your ears for a minute too as well. And I have a confession to make. Now that I have your attention, as soon as I said I have a confession to make, everyone has got their attention. And uh, it's a matter that I, I can't have you tell this secret to my kids. Well, now I really got your attention. What has this guy done? Well, I enjoy ice cream. It's my confession. But my confession is not that I buy ice cream for my kids. Confession is that I buy ice cream for myself. Okay, and so one of the reasons I love ice cream is what it consists of. I don't just like ice cream. I'm sorry if you like your vanilla and your chocolate and your plain stuff, but I like the chunks and the good stuff in there. And I have my scoop that automatically seems to gravitate toward the mounds and toward the, the things that, that are, are there that really matter. You know, the caramel and the in the chocolate, you know, the cookies in the cookies and cream, and you know, the peanut butter in the peanut butter fudge water ice. And I dig, and I dig, and I dig it out. And I go for the thick stuff. I'm talking about the lumps. I'm talking about the mounds. I'm talking about the good stuff. But you know, you and I, if we're not careful, we just think there's just a couple of good chunks and there's a couple mounds in the Word of God. And so I turn to Proverbs, and I turn to Psalms, and I turn to Matthew. And the New Testament, I'll stay there and forget the Old Testament. No, 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 no. The whole counsel of God. And so we must not only look for the chunks, and we've got to be careful. And so now we come to the book of Hosea. Here we go. Hosea was put in the Bible on purpose just as much as any other book. Every word. So Hosea chapter 1, would you turn there with me if you would? Hosea chapter 1. Now, for those of you that think, oh my, here we go, the first chapter, he's going to go through each chapter, not this morning, and not this evening either. <laughs> Try to get you to come back for tonight. But uh, anyways, Hosea chapter 1, if you would. Notice with me, would you, as soon as it starts off, it says the word of the Lord. This is the word of God that came to Hosea. It's not just a person and not just a thing. It's, it's the Word of God that came to Hosea. Notice what he says, some unusual request here for Hosea. And I have to be honest with you, I'm glad that I'm not Hosea yeah. with what God has Hosea do. The son of Bariah in the days of Uzziah, Jotham, Ahaz, and Hezekiah, kings of Judah, in the days of Jeroboam, the son of Joash, king of Israel. Notice verse 2, the beginning of the Word of the Lord by Hosea. And the Lord said, by the way, the Lord said this to Hosea. This is what he says. Go take unto thee a wife of whoredoms and children of whoredoms. Why? For the land hath committed great whoredom departing from the Lord. You know why I think this is so unthinkable? Why I've entitled this this morning unthinkable? Because this is an unthinkable request. Boy, to, to think and to wrap our heads around this and to think this is reasonable... And to think that God specifically told Hosea, a prophet, to take on him a wife that was involved in whoredoms and wickedness and unrighteousness and an adulterous 
living a very sinful life, an unbecoming lifestyle. Notice with me, chapter 3 and verse 1, it says, Then said the Lord unto me, Go yet love a woman, beloved of her friend, yet an adulteress, according to the love of the Lord. Toward the children of Israel who look to other gods and love flagons of wine. Well, you talk about an extreme thing. Why in the world would this be requested? It's very unusable. It's, or excuse me, unusual. It's unthinkable. For Hosea to pursue, I mean, have a marriage take place, I mean, to unite with an un, unfaithful one. Not just anyone that's been faithful. This is living, one known for living a life of wickedness. This is not your normal Sunday morning want, want to hear message. I don't imagine Hosea having this as his first choice or ultimately his heart's desire. Why would God tell him to do such a thing as this? This is the reason why. Because you and I need to better understand God's true love. God's true love for us as sinners. Boy, it's unthinkable. This narrative, this illustration, this miraculous symbol, actually, of how God, as Hosea, is being asked to marry a Gomer. And just as God, Hosea, is pictured, will not give up on us, an adulterous and wicked people. We're Gomer. See, Christ is a picture of Hosea, and we Gomer. According to the love of the Lord, why the book of Hosea is given to us, another reason, because we are in a wretched state. We badly need rescued. Romans 7, 24, Paul says it this way, O wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me? You know why we need Hosea? Because Hosea is given so that we once again, just once again, if we get into the book of Hosea, we'll see how long-suffering, how patient, how kind, how good God is, how merciful and gracious, and how He loves the sinner. He hates the sin. God is willing to rescue us, just like Hosea rescued Gomer. And Hosea is very strong, and it's very abrupt in its style, and it's, it's very metaphorical, and it's figurative, and, it's, and it strongly portrays, get this, a vivid picture of how God is with us as sinners. It's unthinkable. Not a story necessarily, although this story is a little unusual. It's unthinkable that God would have this request to Hosea. But you know what's more unthinkable? It's how gracious God is to us. That's what's unthinkable. And my prayer today is that we think on these things and we realize Jesus is better. And Jesus is better in His true love for us. Can I have you this morning, notice with me, number one, this morning, first of all, we must give thought to the unthinkable realization of our sin situation. If you're in the habit of taking notes, there should be an insert provided for you in the bulletin, and I hope you'll follow along with that. Chapter 1, verse 2, it says, The land hath committed great whoredom, departing from the Lord. The sin of unfaithfulness is very much painted in this picture, and it's throughout the book of Hosea. And the children of Israel, they actually love looking at other things and looking to other gods and love the flagon of wine. And Hosea, the prophet, is going to do his best to Sound the trumpet. Give out the call after call after call. And saying, hey, Israel, repent, 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 repent. And Israel has a major struggle with the adultery of idolatry. And again and again, God extends His love toward them. And, and the same, by the way, goes for us. We have a major struggle with things in our life that try to get for our attention. And if we're not careful... God continues to go after us and after us and after us and even loves us so much as, as Hosea described, the prophet broken heart. And it really is a matter of interpretation of the broken heart that God has for you and I because of God's people's sin. Because of your sin, because of my sin. And the people of this land, they must have done some terribly awful, awful things. They did. They must have done some horrible, wicked, wretched things. They did. Some unthinkable things. But can I just have you take a walk through the Scriptures with me here on this? And we notice chapter 1 and verse 2. This is really what happened, the progression. We're not going to give airtime to the devil. We're not going to give more emphasis on sin. 
I'm going to show you what happened in their life and how they got to the point that they got to. And by the way, would you please do your best to, to realize this morning that any of us can get this point. Any of us can go there. And, and some of us, we might find ourselves even there this morning. Because chapter 1, verse 2, if you notice the latter part of that verse in chapter 2, it says they departed from the Lord. Would you mark that word departing this morning? A departing from God. See, chapter 2, verse 4 and 5, it says, I will not have mercy upon her children. Chapter 2, verse 4. For they be the children of whoredoms. Talking about children of the Israelites. For their mother, it's talking about the nation of Israel, hath played the harlot, she that conceived them hath done shamefully. She said, I will go after my lovers, and I, and I, will, I, I want uh, what they give me, my bread and my water, my wool, my flax, my oil, my drink. Can I tell you this morning? This is how you know if you departed. It is simply this. What are you going after? This morning, there is no way you can depart from God if you're with God and, and, and spending time with Him, but you can depart if you're going after something else. And so this morning, my, my plea and my prayer, even for my own self, is that I get close with God and that I have a relationship so sweet with God that nothing else even really catches my attention and all that is just a bunch of junk and that's just a bunch of stuff and no, that's just a bunch of things that don't really matter in eternity but then God really matters to me this morning. And by the way, I pray that that happens for all of us. How do they depart? How do they depart? Well, these false gods actually surrounding nations, they wanted to receive gifts and they wanted to trade agreements, and they wanted to trade benefits, and that led to going after other gods. And by the way, anytime you and I go after anything else but God, catch this, it's idolatry. Idolatry is anytime you and I go after anything, or things even, more than God. So I have to ask myself, God, where was my focus this week? Was it on you? Did my attention, did it wander? Did it stray or did I keep my focus? Was I zoned in? Was I as blinders on, on, on a horse? Was I just right in, in tune with, with your steps and following you, God? And so this morning, can I give you some things that you know and how, how you and I can determine? How do I know? Tyler, how do I know if I'm departing from God? This is how you can know. You want to you know if you're departing from God? You want to know if idolatry is in your life or in my life? Number one under parting is this. What do you deem is yours? What do you deem is yours? I will go after my lovers. I will go after my bread and my water and my wool and my flax and my oil and my drink. And that's my toy. It doesn't say my toy in there, but I'm bringing it into 2018. My, mine, mine. You hear? You say, oh, that's only for kids. No, 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 no. As adults, we, get, we still have it. What's mine? This is mine. I have an entitlement to this. I deserve this. I mean, I worked for this. You don't know the sweat and blood and tears that went into this. That's why I have this. And we get so caught up on all that we feel we deserve. And man, I deserve all this because these are good things that have come to me and I can't get enough and I want more and more and I feel I deserve more. And that's greed. But then there's just something about it when we get something. But man, look at me in my suit. Boy, it's entitlement. And I paid for this suit. Let me tell you how many hours I paid, uh, worked for this. And let me, let me tell you um, what, what bones are broken. Let me tell you what pain I've gone through. Let me, let me tell you, in other words, how entitled I am to this. Whatever you, you put in the blank. And so I have to ask myself, God, what is there that you've given me, that you've given me for your purpose, for your honor, for your glory? Chapter 2, verse 8, it's a sad thing that happens already. But it says this, for she did not know that I, that I gave. Chapter 2, verse 8, she did not know that I gave her corn and wine. I gave it to her, and oil, and multiplied her silver and gold, 
Therefore will I return and take away my corn in the time thereof, and my wine in the season thereof, and will recover my oil, and my flax given to the cover of her nakedness. And now I will discover her lewdness in the sight of her lovers, and none shall deliver her out of mine hand. I will also cause all her mirth to cease, her feast days, her new moons, her Sabbaths, and all her solemn feasts. And I will destroy her vines and her fig trees. Who's talking here? This is God. Can I tell you this morning, just as fast as God gave it to you, it's as fast as God can take it away? Well, we've got to be careful. We've got to get our focus back to God because if we don't, we're actually departing. We're already departing. Hey, all those Israelites, how could they do that such a thing? How could Hosea be asked to, to marry Gomer? Well, I'll tell you why. Because God is trying to give us a picture with Hosea and how much He loves us because we are the ones that are departing from Him. And we depart. And every day, if I'm not careful, I'll, I'll depart. Not even thinking about it. I won't have my focus and my attention on God. I remember my first brand new car, and you're going to laugh when you hear what it is. It was a 2004 Toyota Camry. That's not something much to brag about, but at least it uh, was something I was proud of. And I mean, so much so that I washed it every week. I waxed it at least once a month, sometimes every week as well with the, with the washing. And I thought I was big stuff in my first car. And you know, that car, it had the tinted windows. It had the fancy wheels. And it could be mistaken for someone doing other things. And so, um, as a matter, you know, the police could be behind me at one point and thinking because this car was so fancy and so nice. And I was into it, and I thought it was the greatest thing. And I remember one day as I had it pulled in the front yard, and I had gone through the washing and the waxing on my own. I mean, every spot, not one spot missed. And I thought I was big stuff in my first car. And I remember as I sat there and I had just polished the outside, I had just armor all the inside, and I had it looking spotless and clean and shiny and bright. And I remember sitting there and it says, if God said, would you be willing to use this for me? And I remember sitting there and I'm thinking, this is my first car. This is, the, this, is the, this is the greatest thing. I actually have a vehicle and I actually can drive this and say this is mine. But then I had to stop and say, Dear Lord, don't let this car become so fancy that I'm not willing to bring someone from a poor area, that I'm not willing to bring someone to church, that I'm not willing to bring someone to hear about Jesus in this car. And God, God spoke to me that day. And I'll never forget as I sat there in that car thinking, this is going to rust one day. And I spent a lot of time on it. And I'm all for nice vehicles, I'm all for nice things, but we've got to be careful of the gold, the silver, the precious stones, the wood, the hay, the stubble. Because here's the thing, royalty doesn't bring blessing. It's a relationship with God that brings blessing. Royalty doesn't bring it. Relationship with God is ultimate. Chapter 2, verse 9 says, Therefore I'll take away and the, re the rewards, and, and so it's a matter that He can take it away. Because I think this is my body, these are my things. No, I've been bought with a price. I need to realize, I need to be reminded of who gave them to me to begin with. And boy, if I'm, if I'm departing, then I'm, I'm not really thinking about this being God's. I think it's mine. This is mine. Stay away, don't touch it. And I'd rather you not bring your little dirty, grimy fingers onto it. You know? I mean, that's how we, that's how we go with things. We've got to be careful. The problem was not realizing God is a source of their benefit. By the way, Psalm 68, 19 says, Blessed be the Lord who daily loadeth us with benefits, the God of our salvation. We are bought with a price. And then number two, how do we know we're departing? Number two is what are you following and seeking after? Would you notice with me verse 7? Verse 7. Chapter 2, verse 7. This is very interesting. Chapter 2, verse 7. He shall follow after her lovers, but she shall not overtake them. He shall seek them, but shall not find them. Seeking, but not finding. Following after, but really it's a matter going to be overtaken. Well, I'm reminded that when we seek and, and when we knock, we do find. But this is seeking and not finding. You know why? Because this is seeking after God. This is not seeking after God. This is seeking after other people. This is seeking after things. This is seeking over things that, 
that, you know, it does, I get it. It takes things in this world for us to live. But you know, one day, if we're not careful, we think that, oh, it takes all this to live in this world. But you know what the real Christian life is? It takes Jesus Christ. See, to live the Christian life, it takes Jesus. It doesn't take anything. He is the one. And I got to get back to panting. I got to get back to longing. I got to get back to the commandments. I, gotta, I don't want to depart. I don't want to be going after any other thing. I don't want to be going after mammon. I want to go after God. Anytime we put anything before God, it's idolatry. So, man, it, so Isaiah, this, this book is interesting. Why it's so interesting? Because of idolatry. It was rampant throughout this day. And by the way, it's, it's rampant throughout our day. And the sin of departing is going to take them farther and farther and faster and faster down a, down a spiral and down a slide that's going to be quicker than they ever realized. And he, each and every step is going to get deeper and deeper into sin. And pay attention to what you would with me. Uh, letter B, this is where they're going to go. They're going to forget God. So they're going to go from departing to actually forgetting. Chapter 2, verse 13. Would you notice it with me? Chapter 2, verse 13. The latter part of the verse again, it says, And I will visit upon her the days of Balaam, wherein she burned incense to them, and she decked herself with her earrings and her jewels. Sounds good. Sounds nice. Sounds pretty, ladies. And she went after her lovers. Notice this. And forgot me, saith the Lord. Forget. Do you realize what all God is doing for you? Notice verse 14. And follow down with me, if you would, through a couple verses here. And some, it's a matter that God is really putting it out there for them, trying to, to sh say, hey, I'm, I've been doing some things for you. I'm willing to do some things for you. Notice what God does. Therefore, be behold, I will allure you and bring her into the wilderness to speak comfortably. Boy, God's a gracious God. He'll, he'll give her the vineyards from this in the valley of Acre for a door of hope. And she shall sing there as in the days of her youth, as in the day when she came up out of the land of Egypt. Hey, don't forget God. You, you've, have you forgotten that you were brought out of the land of Egypt? Have you forgotten that you, that you sang to Him in the days of your youth? Have you forgotten that He's a door of hope? Have you forgotten that He speaks comfortably to you? He doesn't, he doesn't have this, this uh, weapon in His hand and He's trying to be harsh with His words? No, that's not God. Notice, and it shall be at that day, saith the Lord, that thou shalt call me Isha, which is in other words, husband, and shall call me no more Balai. I will take away the names of Balaam out of her mouth. And they shall be no more remembered by their name. Verse 18, in that day. Will I make a covenant for them with the beasts of the field, the fowls of heaven, and the creeping things of the ground? And I will break the bow and the sword and the battle of the earth, and I will make them to lie down and safely. That sounds like the Psalms to me. This is God. What is He willing to do? I will betroth thee unto me forever. Yeah, I will betroth thee unto me in righteousness. This is God. In judgment, in loving kindness, in mercies. I will even betroth thee unto me in faithfulness, and thou shalt know the Lord. And it shall come to pass in that day... I will hear, saith the Lord, I will hear the heavens, and they shall hear the earth, and the earth shall hear the corn, and the wine, and the oil, and they shall hear Jezreel. And I will sow unto her, unto me in the earth, and I will have mercy upon her, and that had obtained no mercy, had not obtained mercy. And I will say to them which are not my people, Thou art my people. And they shall say, Thou art my God. You know what's gotten on? They've forgotten all these things that God is and God's mercies, and the door of hope. And they've forgotten that day. And they've forgotten that they're, they're not able to do anything without God's help. And they're not going to forget God with whatever took place in their life if they would just get back to these things that God has done. They need to remember. They need to realize that, you know what, this is God that has given us this. This is God that provides mercy, provides kindness, righteousness, judgment. He is going to be even a husband to them. And love them so much. Let her see. It's getting worse. Departing. Forgetting God. Forgetting that love. Forgetting that faithfulness, that kindness. Let her see. They now have their hearts set on sin. Oh, there's no way we can ever get to that point. Well, they never thought they'd get to this point. Chapter 4, verse 8. Chapter 4, verse 8. This is all just underneath the realization of our sin situation. Can I ask you this morning, have you departed from God? Are you steps away from Him? What do you deem is yours? What do you, what do you think is a matter 
that you would say you're following and seeking after? Is it truly God? Have you forgotten God this week? How often have you spent time with Him this week? He knows. If we're not careful, we'll find ourselves in a bad situation. So much so that it let her see our heart is set on sin. Chapter 4, verse 8 says this. It says, They eat up the sin of my people and they set their heart on their iniquity. They set their heart on their iniquity. They didn't even see it as sin anymore. It's not a big deal, but it is a big deal. Oh, they just departed from God. That's a big deal. Oh, they just forgot God. That's a big deal. But now, that doesn't matter. Uh, what's today? I mean, I can go out with my Bible reading today. I mean, that's not that much departing. I mean, I, I don't have to tell God, thank you for this that He gave to me, because this is mine. I mean, this is what, what I think I'm entitled to. So, uh, well, departing, forgetting, and then you just... You know, what you, you know what you and I are doing? We're trying to justify our sin. We're trying to talk our way out of what we think is okay, when it's not okay. It's not okay. And, and so... It, this is how it goes in verse 6 of chapter 4. Would you notice with me? This is it. My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. Because thou hast rejected knowledge, I will also reject thee, that thou shalt be no priest to me, seeing thou hast forgotten the law of thy God. What is that? It's the Bible. It's God's Word. Notice verse 7. As they were increased, so they sinned against me. Who are we sinning against when we sin? We sin against God. We don't look at it that way. We don't think it's that big a deal. We don't look at it as what I just did was so wrong that it broke the heart of God. That what I just did just allowed separation between me and God. And that relationship is not sweet right now. And I want everything from Him, but I'm not willing to keep it right with Him. But we've got to get back to this, because seven... Through 10, says, as they were increased, so they sinned against me. Therefore, I will change their glory into shame. I'll give them what they want. They eat up the sin of my people, and they set their heart on their iniquity. And there shall be like people, like priests, and I will punish them for their ways and reward them their doings. Boy, it's, it's sad when we get what we want, and then we don't even want what we get. And there shall be like people, like priests, and I will punish them for their ways and reward them their doings, and they shall eat and not have enough. They shall commit whoredom and shall not increase. Notice, because they left off to take heed to the Lord. Whoredom and wine and new wine take away the heart. They're indulged in goods, not God. My people ask counsel at their stocks, and their staff declareth them. For the spirit of whoredoms hath, hath they caused them to err, and they have gone a whoring. Where? From under their God. From under their God. And this is what you and I do. Man, the world is horrible. Man, the world is full of sin. You're right, Brother Ty. Boy, boy America has, has gone departing from God, and they have forgotten God, and it's a matter that their heart is set on sin. But here's what we don't do. We just say America, United States, the world, everybody is not saved. But we don't say, me, right here. I've departed, and I left him back there, and I've forgotten God. And then, you know what? I'm just not a big, it's not a big deal. My heart is set on sin, and I don't even say my heart's set on sin. I'm just a-okay, everything's fine. When I'm really not a-okay. When really I'm in my sin so much that I will talk my way out of it. I will do my best to make every excuse and every reason. And, you know, everyone else is doing it. It's not a big deal. It is a big deal because I have departed from God. I have forgotten God. One day after another day, by reading, ah, I'm okay. I got it. I'll do it. And then my heart is just set on sin so much so that, where is my Bible? Church? Why church? God? Why God? Who needs God? I'll tell you who needs God. Every one of us needs God. And I need God this morning. And I don't want to depart from Him. And I don't want to forget Him. And I don't want to ever have my heart set on sin. But I do. And you do. And I do. And we have our heart set on sin so much so that we don't even think it's sin. It's not sin. It's just a mistake. It's just a mess up. No, it's not a mistake. It's a mess up. It broke the heart of God. It caused separation from God. He died for this. He loves me so much that He died. He gave Himself for this sin. 
I'm telling you this morning, this is not maybe normal Sunday morning message, but you and I need this, and I need this. Because where has been a departing, and then we just forget God, and we just, oh, I don't, I don't remember. Where is that? Where, what happened? Where did I put that? And before we know it, our heart is so set on sin that we don't even see it as sin. And sin is anything, anything, get this, that goes against the Word of God. Most of us don't even know what's in the Word of God, so we don't even look at it as sin. How could it be sin? I don't know that it's sin. I have never seen it in the pages of Scripture. Well, we would if we were in it. We would if we were in the Word of God. No, this is not right. This is what God wants. This is not what God wants. And we need to get back to thinking, what pleases Him? What honors Him? And it's a matter that we've got to be careful because we'll go a-whoring from under our God. And we don't see problems with our sin. It's not a big deal, but our heart is set on iniquity. So much so that there's no shame. Verse 13, they sacrifice upon the tops of the mountains. They want everybody to see it. They want everybody to think it's okay and normal. And it's all right, and it's not all right. Verse 13, and they burn incense upon the hills. They want, it's kind of like they're showing off their sin now. And here we go. I want, to, I want, to, I want everyone to see this is, this is the new norm. But sin is sin, and it stays sin. See, here's the problem with sin. You and I can choose to sin and participate in it, but you and I cannot choose the consequences. You and I do not choose that. Oh, we can choose to sin. But young people, this morning, you want to choose to, to kind of mess around with things you don't, shouldn't mess around with, look at stuff that you want to look at? You want to, you want to get, get involved with things you shouldn't get involved with? You can choose that. But you cannot choose the consequence of a wrecked and ruined, destroyed life and, and not a... Not a a, a marriage that can really matter and not something that you can say, I want to live for God because I want pure and holy and I'm right. And it's a matter that, you know what? God can use you, but He sure could have used you a whole lot better if you would have stayed right. He sure could have used you a whole lot better. And I, I guarantee this morning, on the sound of my voice, that there are people this morning that are older in age that would say, Yeah, Brother Ty, you're right. Yeah, please tell them, please tell them, please tell them, please tell them, please let them know. And God used anybody at any age, but you know what? It's a matter that we've got to realize sin is sin. This week, hot off the press, here we go. A formal juvenile justice department employee sentenced Friday, 50 years in prison. You ready for it? 1.2 million fajitas is what he stole. Fajitas. What? But this is what he said. When he pleaded guilty, it was selfish. It started small and got bigger. This is exact words out of this out of this man's mouth. And he's a, he's a juvenile justice. I mean, you are you are in the you are working the prison. You, you you would think you would not want to be in there any longer than what you have to be. You're seeing kids that made wrong decisions, and you're you're the employee. It was selfish. It started small and got bigger and out of control. It got to the point where I couldn't control it anymore. And he accepted deliveries of fajitas for nine years. Nothing, it wasn't even on the menu. He made a business out of this, but now, you know, $1.2 million worth of fajitas, orders, delivered to customers he had on his own. Now he's sentenced to 50 years in prison. You choose. You choose. You want to depart? You want to forget? You want to be set on your sin? Not a big deal. It's just fajitas. Huh. Nine years. Gotten away with it this year, next year. Nine years. Well, 50 years stinks over fajitas. And it's interesting what he says. It's selfish, it started small, and then got out of control. Notice with me, letter D, if you would. Now we move on to a real bad scenario. It's crazy. But the Bible says this, chapter 5, verse 3. I know Ephraim, and Israel is not hid from me. For now, O Ephraim, thou hast committed whoredoms. Israel is defiled. Defiled. Chapter 6, verse 10 says it's a horrible thing. Defiled means unclean. It means foul, contaminated, polluted. It's sickening. It's gross. It's nasty. It's vile. We don't look at our sin that way. No. 
We don't even go there in our mind even. It's not a big deal in our mind and we just want to plain it out like it's, like, it's, like it's the norm. It's a beautiful picture when in reality it's sickening. It's gross. It's putrefying. It's nasty. It's vile. It's a horrible thing. I want you to do something with me this morning as we close out this morning. Would you think with me how this morning even the Bible is very clear on us being sinners? And us being sinners, I mean, all we like sheep have gone astray and we have turned everyone to his own way. You know, Romans 3.10, as is written, there's none righteous, no, not one. Romans 3.23, we're familiar with these verses. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. But Isaiah 64.6 says, we are all as an unclean thing. And all our righteousness is filthy rags. And we do all fade away as leaf. And our iniquities, like the wind, have taken us away. You say, oh, we're all sinners. We're, we're all unclean. We're all vile. We're defiled. And one of the hardest things about this life is that this world is full of sin everywhere. And it wants our attention in every direction. No matter what way you turn, in every direction there is sin. But the problem in life is not life itself. It's sin is the problem. Sin is the problem. And so if we're honest with ourselves, none of us want to say that we're not righteous. No, not one. We don't want to be grouped in that category, but we are. And we're all sinners. And we all fall short. And then if we do get to the point where we say, hey, I admit it, I admit I am a sinner. I am in the wrong. And I find myself as all people in, in this world as a sinner. And boy, if I want the world to come, heaven, I'm going to realize it took someone on the cross dying for that sin. And I'm so glad He did. I'm going to accept Him. I'm going to trust in Him because He died for that sin. But wait a second. If we get to the point where we admit we're a sinner, we say, I'm a sinner and I've trusted Christ, here's what we do. Yeah, I'm a sinner. I admit I'm a sinner. But then, because I've done that, I am going to now categorize sin. I admitted I'm a sinner back here, back in so-and-so day, and as a, as a child or as an adult. Praise the Lord for that. And I admitted I'm a sinner, but because I'm a sinner, you know, I, I'm on my way to hell, but, but I'm a sinner. And it's okay if I do this. It's okay if I do that. Matter of fact, that's worse sin than other sins. That is real bad. This is uh, okay. Everybody's doing this one, so maybe it's all right. We categorize sin. That one, oh my, if you get to that one, that is horrible, wicked, don't ever do that. I can't imagine anybody doing it. And they have committed this horrible, wicked sin. Wait a second. Since when did we get the diploma, the degree, to categorize sin? And I didn't know we, we were able to think this is sin and this is not and this is okay and that's bad. Woo, man, don't ever do that. See, Christ has a different way of throwing sins in a list that we would never think. Would you listen to, to me? This is, here's the list of some things, and it's closing this morning. Please think about these things. And think in a way that Christ has a way of throwing sins in a list with some other real bad sins that we think are just, I mean, pinnacle topped out. Woo, if you do that, written off. No, not to God. Romans 1, 26-31 describes some vile affection. For even their women did change the natural use of that which is against nature. And likewise also the men, leaving the natural use of the woman, burning their own lust one to another. Men with men, working that which is unseemly, and receiving themselves that recompense of the error which was meet. And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to reprobate mind, to do those things which are not convenient, being filled with all unrighteousness, Here goes the bad list. Here we go. Fornication, wickedness, covetousness, maliciousness, full of envy, murder, debate, deceit, malignity, whispers. Whispers? Where'd that come from? Backbiters. What? Haters of God. Whew. Despiteful, proud, boasters. Are those supposed to be in there? 
inventors of evil things, disobedient to parents. Whoa, kids. Whoa, watch out. How did that make the list? That's, that's sure not on purpose. No way. God, I mean, God knows what he's doing, but we don't think he knows what he's doing. Without understanding, covenant breakers, without natural affection, implacable, unmerciful. You mean I'm like a person who's a murderer if I'm unmerciful? This is God saying this, but yeah. Who knowing the judgment of God that they which commit such things are worthy of death, not only do the same, but have the pleasure in them that do them. Now the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these. Galatians 5, in case you need a list. Adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft. Woo, that's horrible. Hatred. Hatred. Variance. Mutilations. Wrath. Strife. What? Seditions, heresies, envyings, murderers, drunkenness, revelings, and such like. Although which I tell you before is I have also told you in time past that they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Colossians 3, 5 through 8. Mortify, kill, destroy, take it out. Therefore your members which are upon the earth, fornication, woo, yeah, uncleanliness, inordinate affection, evil confusions, and covetousness, which is idolatry. For which things sake the wrath of God cometh on the children of disobedience. What? Yeah. Can you, can you go to, to the scripture of, you know, God will never leave me nor forsake me. Can, can you please take me to, you know, Psalms 23, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Wait a second. This is just as much good. This is just as much scripture as that is scripture. But I don't want to hear this. This is, that's not for me. I, I'm, I'm set on my sin, and, and I'm not departed from God, and I'm not forgotten God. Well, might want to ask yourself the question again, and maybe we have. In which you also walked some time when you lived in them, but now you also put off these. Put off. Don't keep them on. Put off. Get rid of it. Anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy communication out of your mouth. Lie not. What? i got to be honest. Lie not one to another. That's with fornication and, and idolatry, and, and that's with murder and drunkenness and all this. What in the world? Seeing that you put off old man with his deeds. See, Christ categorizes sin totally different than you and I categorize. See, all sin is wickedness to him. All sin is filthy, wretched, vile. And, it, and, and the, this is what the Bible says. Whosoever committeth sin transgresses against the law, for the sin is the transgression of the law. The way of the wicked is an abomination to the Lord. Abhor that which is evil. Cleave to that which is good. The Lord is in His holy temple. The Lord's throne is in heaven. His eyes behold. His eyelids try the children of men. The Lord trieth the righteous, but the wicked to him that loveth violence his soul hateth. Upon the wicked he shall rain snares, fire, and brimstone, and a horrible tempest. This shall be the portion of their cup. They have it coming to them. For the righteous Lord loveth righteousness. And I tell you this morning, lastly, this is important. If there's anything you get out of this message. Lastly, and most important, is this that number two, restoration is available. But you're never going to realize that restoration is available until you realize you've got a sin situation and you've got to get that realization that, man, I have a problem and I have departed from God and I have forgotten God. And you know what? I'm to the point where now, oh, I have never departed from God. I've never. You're saying never. Whoa, watch out. Because your heart might be on, set on sin. And so we've got to get back to the matter that God is truly willing to do the unthinkable. And he's willing to restore your relationship. And that's where we find ourselves closing this morning, chapter 3. Look at this in a way of what God wants for you and I. The love of the Lord to the children of Israel, verse 1. No greater love than that a man lay down his life for his friends. There's no greater love. And then number 2. So I bought her to me. Can I tell you this morning, Christ has bought me. He's paid a sacrifice for you and for I. And just as Hosea paid a price, oh, it's 15 pieces of silver for, for, for Gomer and Omer Barley and, and a half of Omer Barley, but for Christ it was everything. His entire life was put on the cross. His entire life was given for you and for me. And so, verse 3, And I said unto her, Thou shalt abide for me many days. Thou shalt not play the harlot, and thou shalt not be for another man. So will I also be for thee. 
This is a picture of Christ chasing you and I in our horrible condition, our sin situation, where we have set our heart on iniquity, where we have forgotten God, where we have departed from God, but He is after us in our condition, just as Gomer was in a wicked condition, but Hosea said, I, hey, I'll bide, bide for you, you'll be for me. And What will it take for God to get your attention? Verse 4, for the children of Israel shall abide many days without, and without, and without, and without, and without, and without. All this, God is just trying to get their attention. Taking this thing, taking that thing, one thing after another, one thing after another, trying to get their attention. Get, please, get your attention back on God. I'm, I'm taking things away from you. I'm trying to get your attention. See, sin when it is finished bringeth forth death. Verse 5, this is wonderful. This is good. Afterward, shall the children of Israel return and seek the Lord their God. David their king shall fear the Lord and His goodness in latter days. Would you think about that word afterward with me? I wonder how many of you this morning would say, man, after I was in my 20s? No, actually after I was in my 30s? No, actually I was in my 40s? No, actually I was in my 50s? No, actually, after I was in my 60s, no, actually, 70s, 80s, and so on, that that's when I returned to God. That's when I sought Him. Boy, I wonder what it's going to take. For you and I, God loves us so much that He is willing to buy, just as a picture of Hosea buying Gomer here, but He gave it all, all of His life for us. He's willing to abide with us and be for us Nothing can be against you. When God is for you, who can be against you? And He's willing to, to take away things at times and say, hey, I'm trying to get your attention. I'm trying to get your attention. You're departing. Hey, you're, you're forgetting. Hey, you're, your heart is set on iniquity. You don't look at it as sin. You've categorized. I'm trying to get you just to afterward return. But I don't, if I can help it, I don't want to go through all that. And then, oh, after all that i got to get back because, man, I'm going without now. And, man, i got to get back to God because after all this, and I don't know about you, but a life that maybe could be put in 50, 60, 70 years of serving God and 60, 70 years of, of living for God is a whole much better than 10, 20, 30 years. See, if we can get the young people here this morning to just serve God with their life as a young person and just carry that on all the way through to the till their last breath is taken, my goodness, they don't have to say afterward, after I went through all that, afterward, I'm, I returned. Afterward, I returned. And I'm glad. Please understand, I'm glad because at any point in time, we can return. And we can go back to God. No matter what age you are, no matter what age you find yourself this morning, you can return back to God. And one of the best things that can happen to somebody that is willing to return, it's one of the most liberating acts in all of life to confess and to make things right with God. And to restore that relationship. Because restoration is available to you and I this morning. Because He loves us. He's bought us. He's going to be with us. He's going to be for us. And He really is not wanting to take things, to pull things away from us. He's actually wanting to give us things. He doesn't want to have to do the withouts and the withdrawals. He wants to do the deposits. And this morning, you know what it takes? Returning. Seeking. Going back. Going back. 